home alone here. So I figured maybe the first thing, exactly what I was thinking as a substitute teacher up here, maybe the, um, the best thing to do is to play a movie today or something, you know? How about that? Uh, you know, maybe home alone. Or, hey, uh, maybe we could get a little bit more spiritual. You know, I've been watching this series. Have any of you guys been watching The Chosen? Yeah, that's a pretty cool show. I have to admit that I've only watched the first season. But, um, you know, when we uh, look at that, we're watching, you know, Jesus meandering around getting ready to do his ministry. And he's running around finding some really seemingly unqualified people to help him teach. You know, he's going to go into this ministry. He's not in the synagogues. He's not, you know, anywhere like that. He's not looking for these other guys. I go back to this. Y'all hear me on this one. Seemingly unqualified people, <laughs> if you see what I'm getting at right there. Um, you know, and so anyway, for those of you who don't know me, my name is Mike, and today I'm going to be playing the role of seemingly unqualified teacher. <laughs> uh, let's see, okay, you got that up for me. Thank you guys back there. Um, today we're going to continue Rob's teaching from last week, um, and, and we're going through the parables that Jesus has been telling. He was focusing a lot of this to the Pharisees who were trotting around him and not really caring for what he had to say. And, um, you know, we were talking about the lost and the found, the joy of finding the lost, the 99, you know, and the, to the one. And the, um, then we shifted over to uh, the prodigal where he went home. I love that story because I really feel that in uh, my heart, you know. It's like I'm, I'm so blessed to come home and know Jesus um, and, and, uh, and, to, and fall into some really welcoming arms. Um, but then we shifted a little bit right there at the end of last week where we went to looking at the prodigal's brother who didn't really think that, you know, uh, he went and went and squandered all daddy's money. Now he's coming back with his tail between his legs. I don't really want anything to do with him. And so um, we're picking up right there. And I think uh, as these parables go, that's at the root of what Jesus is trying to um that's what Jesus is trying to teach to the Pharisees. I mean, he's trying to, he's trying to, you know, get that across to them. And I have a tendency to like want to go, oh, bad Pharisee all the time. But honestly, when I was going through this teaching, I kind of decided I might want to look at this a little bit differently. The Pharisees were in charge of the spiritual well-being of Israel. And, um, you know, it wasn't going really well for them. You know, the Romans had their thumb all over them, you know, and it was it was tough and they didn't know what to do. Um, and they decided that, well, obviously we need more law. We need to just just crank down on this law because we need God's favor. And if we do this, that's what we're going to get. And Jesus comes along and here's this peaceful warrior kind of guy, not the Messiah they're looking for. You know, they're wanting somebody with a sword who's going to whack Rome in half. Well, that's not Jesus. He's not doing that. Um, he comes up and he's just, he's well, what is he? He's this peaceful warrior Messiah. That's not what they wanted. That's not what they thought. And, um, you know, I'm reminded of that and of something that happened in my life one time. I, um, uh, for those of you who don't know, I'm an architect, and my job is to design a building and then draw some plans and hopefully get them across to people that they would understand how to build what I want to build. And now, gosh, it was probably 30 years ago. It was, I was young. I was out on a job site one day, and I was watching this one guy do something, and he was down there working on something, and I'm looking at it, and I'm going, well, that's not going to work. Um, you know, so I went over there. 
And I told him, I said, well, you know, I explained what he needed to do and all of that. And he stood up, put his hands on his hips, and he looked at me. He goes, what the man who drew these plans meant to do. And (laughs) so, you know, and I'm going, hmm, I kind of think I'm the one that did that. But nonetheless, honestly, that would be a good idea of what the Pharisees are, are, are doing. You know, Jesus is coming and he's trying to say that there's something down the line that I want to do. And, um, you know, what you're doing isn't going to fit with what's going on there exactly. We need to maybe shift a little bit. And um, so, you know, I could see with a guy that was doing that really thought he was doing what he thought he should be doing. And um, and I believe that the Pharisees thought that they were doing what they were should have been doing. So, you know, we have this deal that, you know, the kind of the same frustration that I had. Maybe Jesus was like, hey, well, I, I know this. I went on to the job site for him and was going to tell him, you know, hey, why don't you go over there and try to coach him into going the right way? And Jesus, maybe in the same kind of way, says, okay, Pharisees, enough of you guys. Let me turn around here and talk to my disciples. Maybe they'll get it. And I think that's where we, where we come in here. And, um, so, you know, it's like, you know, we'll get somebody that'll maybe listen. So let's do what I'm going to do today. We're going to read the whole entire passage, and then I'm going to go back and break it into a few little pieces so we can do a, you know, do a little bit uh, piece by piece. I see. Oh, it worked. So let me see if I can read this from here. So we're going to read the whole Luke 16, 1 through 9. If you got a Bible or Bible app, sorry, I didn't tell you all that. Um, and it says, Jesus told this story to his disciples. There was a certain rich man who had a manager handling his affairs. One day, a report came that the manager was wasting his employer's money. So the employer called him and said, what's this I hear about you? Get your report in order because you're going to be fired. The manager thought to himself, now what? My boss has fired me. I don't have the strength to dig ditches and I'm too proud to beg. Ah, I know how I'll ensure that I have plenty of friends who will give me a home when I'm fired. So he invited each person who owed money to his employer to come and discuss the situation. He asked the first one, how much do you owe him? The man replied, I owe him 800 gallons of olive oil. So the manager told him, take the bill and quickly change it to 400 gallons. And how much do you owe my employer, he asked the next man. He goes, I owe him 100 bushels of wheat, was the reply. Here, the manager said, take the bill and change it to 800 bushels. The rich man had to admire the dishonest rascal hmm, for being so shrewd. And it's true that the children of this world are more shrewd in dealing with the world around them than the children of the light. Here's the lesson. Use your worldly resources to benefit others and make friends. Then, when your possessions are gone, they will welcome you into an eternal home. Wow. Thanks, Rob. You know, it seems like he's um, he's been having a tendency when we come to these, let's say, hard passages that he seems to go somewhere else. I know he gave Janelle a hard one. So when he comes back, y'all talk to him about that. So we're going to say we got this rich man and he's going to admire this dishonest rascal for being shrewd. It doesn't sound biblical. It really, you know, you kind of maybe it does. You guys have seen it or know more than me. But I'm I, when I first read this, I'm going, hmm, no, that, just how is that OK? <laughs> you, know? Uh, you know, maybe not so much. Well, I wasn't alone in not understanding this. There are multiple translations of this passage. There are variety of different words that they've used in here. 
And and I'll tell you that um, I used uh, I'm going to follow Janelle. If you all know Janelle, a few weeks back, she taught again another one of those hard passages. Janelle got to teach the one where it said where Jesus said, I tell you, if you want to follow me, you're going to have to hate your mother and your father and all of that. And you're going like, again, what? But in that particular parable, we learned that if you looked up the word um, in the uh, Greek, what, what hate meant, it meant to love less. And that kind of was a key to the parable. We would understand that Jesus was um, saying that you need to put me first and love everything else afterwards. And I can understand that and I can, you know, I can get behind that. So anyway, today, when we look at um, our, our parable, I'm going to um, uh, do the same thing. You know, we're going to kind of try to go back to the Greek a lot because I found it helpful for me to do that. It might get a little bit tedious. You guys might think, oh, he's a nerd. Well, I am. So... Anyway, let's go back. Let's start. Let's start this from the beginning. I, I titled this um, whole thing, um, uh, what do we call it, wealth management. So in the terms of all of that, we're going to look at management accountability when we read this. And we read here, Jesus told this story to his disciples. There was a certain rich man who had a manager handling his affairs. One day the report came. The manager was wasting his employer's money. So the employer called him and said, What's this I hear about you? Get your report in order because you are going to be fired. All right. And we've just finished reading that. I'm going to flip to another slide real quick. All right. Let's look at this for a second. This is a parable. It is not an allegory. But I think that we do need to look at what different pieces of this puzzle mean or may mean. So we're taking the rich man. And I think everybody can see that that would probably equate to God. Then we've got the manager who is in other places called a steward. And um, I think, and this is some, there, there's some debate here. You guys read it for yourself when you go through there. But I'm going to say, for the sake of this teaching, that the steward or the manager would be what's called later in here, the sons of this age, the disciples, the Gentiles, or possibly even us. Um, and then we have something that's overlooked a lot of times. We had a report, but we didn't think about the reporters. Who did the report? Who's doing this reporting? Who's coming over here to tell Jesus uh, well, tell the rich man, excuse me, um, that this, you know, there's something not going on right here. And I'm going to suggest to you that that might be the Pharisees or um, the uh, rigid Orthodox Jews. You know, the ones that they're pulling tight. They're, you know, something's not going on right here. They're trying to pull in there. And then we have money. Remember, parables, never what a parable's about. So if it's not about money, what can it be? Well, let's think maybe it was God's provisions and maybe it could even be the law. I don't know. Um, but um, as we go through here, we, we look, you know, we, we pretty much, you know, settled on the rich man representing, you know, being God with, and who was abounding in worldly assets, according to the Greek words that talk about the rich man when they used that. He wasn't just well off. He had plenty of money. And then there was this manager, the steward, and that, I think the Greek word was okinomis. Um, but nonetheless, the okinomis was a manager of household estate. He was um, a man that was entrusted with the management of great wealth in there in the Greek. And then we have the reporters or the accusers. This is where I went over the first part of this for you guys to get a flavor of what you felt like this passage meant and how you felt about somebody. I'm going to start trying to change some opinions a, a little bit. And the reason that I'm doing this is because I was led to, you know, reading the Greek and studying this. But the word accuser in the Greek here is diabolo. 
and curiously, it's only used this one time in the in the in the New Testament period right here. But it happened to be used in the um, book of Maccabees, which isn't a canonized Christian book, but it was a Jewish book that they all of the first century Jewish people would have been extraordinarily uh, familiar with. I mean, that was something that they read all the time. And in that book, it's used twice. And the first time that it was used, it was used when describing, all right, finger quotes here, misinformation given to one who was squandering money. And then the next time it's used, it's used when somebody is slandering a righteous man to discredit his reputation. So, wow, to me, that starts to taint this just a little bit differently. And we go through wasting and squandering money. The Greek gives a very descriptive point there. It's like what they're being accused of is just like wiping. I mean, he's wiping the rich man out by just sowing seeds of wealth everywhere. You have a dollar. You have a dollar. We'll all have a dollar. You know, you're wearing it all out. And uh, so, you know, I think if we take these different things from the Greek, t- different you know descriptions from the Greek and we put it together, it, we might find that. You know, let's put ourselves in there a little bit. So if we are, you know, the the manager, well, God's asking us if we're managing his affairs properly, you know, or he's saying, you know, there's an accuser out there. Somebody's saying something ain't right. And um, and maybe, you know, you need to give me an account of what's happening here because, you know, your mismanagement of my affairs could reflect poorly on me. And so in bookkeeping terms, if we look at this, you know, strictly from him managing money or whatever, you know, hell, he's being called to reconcile the accounts. You know, he didn't, you know. And so how, what does that mean for us? You know, all right, we read through this. What can I take away from this? Let's see. We have stewardship over God's kingdom. You know, we've been, we've been given, we've been entrusted something here. We need to manage it. How we manage it? Well, it's subject to scrutiny. And accountability, you know, some of the people looking at us. Um, and then ultimately, we will be asked to give an account. We might not be able to give an account now or whatever, but one day we all know we are going to give an account. Um, so after that, we're looking and say, well, we've been audited. Now what? What are we going to do now? Hmm, glad you asked. Let's see. Let's see. Let's go on. This is a short one. My fingers are dry, and I need to get to my other piece of paper. Sorry, guys. All right. The manager thought to himself, now what? My boss has fired me, and I don't have the strength to dig ditches, and I am too proud to beg. Well, this is interesting. I hate, I, um, I say hate. This is such a terrible thing. I don't hate. I really don't like the my boss has fired me part of that. The tense doesn't work right. You know, he says he's going to everywhere else, but right now he goes into... Um, my boss has fired me. Well, I, I'm just going to write that up to a not great translation. In other places, they've said he has called me to account. And I like that. I mean, um, other, the, um, the call me to account seems more like what the parable's, you know, driving at. We've, we've been, you know, uh, they didn't cart him off and change. <laughs> you know, he hasn't been. He Give me an account. I'm fired. I'm not going to do bookkeeping for you, you know. So anyway, um, so we're asked now, I guess, a little bit to um, look deeper. Let's take a deeper dive into just who this steward is. You know, he's been accused. You know, we don't know really rightly or wrongly if we're starting to look at some of the Greek stuff. 
But we do know that it wasn't a jailable offense. He didn't get perp walked out and, you know, and any of that kind of fun stuff. He was left and, and had, there was enough trust in him that he would, that he would, um, be left to try to put things together. And then the next thing we know about him is when he looked, he was not equipped. Okay. He wasn't equipped for physical labor and he, uh, you know, he was possibly willing. You know, I think I know Rob always likes to do this, and I'm going to do it too because I like it. He's probably sitting there thinking, "I drive an abacus, not an ox." You know, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> but 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 do uh, and he you know, comes on. He goes, "And I am not willing to surrender to a lifestyle of begging." Now that part of it offered up something extraordinarily interesting. When we went to the Greek on that one, it was um, well. Before we go, I wanted to ask, and you don't have to raise, I, want to, I meant to ask this before we move on to the next part. When I first read this, I felt like that the manager was just indignant and he was too good to do manual labor. And, you know, it was just almost an ego thing. He was one, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to beg. I'm not going to go work in the fields. I don't know how you guys felt about it, but that was exactly where I was. And, um, you know, I started when I was doing this, I really got into the reading of the Greek words. So trying to go backwards and find the Greek word and the Greek word for beg at that stage was epiteo. And what that word meant was a lifestyle of begging. But here's the kicker. It's not like the, hey, rich man, let me hold a dollar uh, kind of begging. It was the kind of begging that was being a curse to those who were enemies of God. It had a very distinct meaning that, you know, that you were going to beg because God has said you are terrible. And he didn't want that. You know, we have to reflect back. That wasn't what he was driving for. He said he didn't want to beg. Well, that makes that kind of lightens that up a little bit. And then you go back and say, at least he was willing to work. He thought about it, you know, and his hands just aren't made for plowing. Um, he didn't know um, exactly what to do. And I think this parable at this stage of the game gives us the opportunity to look at the manager and decide whether or not we're going to see him through the eyes of the Pharisees or whether we're going to see him through the eyes of the father, the prodigal's father, the one that would, you know, give the benefit of the doubt where the brother didn't want to give the benefit of the doubt. You know, the father did. And we were led to see that that was probably the way to way to handle all of that. I think it is. Um, but anyway, you know, it's kind of like I'm thinking to myself when I get through here. Well, I really ought to extend the grace the father has to the manager here. You know, it's the same grace that you, me, now, all of us enjoy. I like the grace. Come on. You know, give me their age. I need the grace. I'm just saying. So anyway, with that all behind, now what? You know, the manager's faced with this dilemma. Um, uh, I don't have anything. You know, he's starting to look at it. Um, it's on his own account. He has nothing. Everything that he has, he has through the rich man. He was peddling, uh, you know, goods and, and stuff for the rich man and possibly maybe making a, a commission off of it, a little bit of commission off of what he was doing. We'll get into that a little bit later. But, um, you know, we're um, really kind of having to stop and think about what the um, steward's contemplating in his mind. You know, he's got a couple of options at this stage of the game. You know, he could, as I like to say for you older people here, he could Steve Miller it. He could take the money and run. 
Um, you know, and, uh, you know, that's, that was an option for him. I mean, but, you know, that might not be the best long term. Or he could reconcile. And he has an opportunity to see if he can reconcile all of these pieces that he's been, that have been placed in front of him. And I ran across that word. I, I of course, went to define it in English because it was easy. But I didn't. I was really amazed with exactly what reconcile meant because it, it started to touch me anyway. Uh, uh, it does kind of describe the Christian venture to me a little bit. It says to restore friendly relations between, to cause to coexist in harmony, to make or show or to be compatible, to make one account consistent with the other, especially by allowing for transactions begun but not yet completed, to settle a disagreement or to make someone accept a disagreeable or unwelcoming thing. So all of these things, you know, are kind of parts of, Christian walk, I think I should be looking at anyway. I try to. So what does this tell us? I mean, we're getting to the point there. Well, our truth and our true wealth is provided for by God. We really are only here to manage it. We should reflect truthfully on our personal abilities and actions. You know, sometimes it's not what we can't do. I mean, sometimes what we can't do is as important as what we can do. And then um, then the other part of that is, is our actions deserve some careful consideration. You know, if we're quick to go, the easy route out is run. But is that really the right way to go? You know, and um, it's, uh, you know, often the easy way is never the right way, you know. So we're coming up to the what I would like to call reconciling our account. And spoiler alert, since you've already heard it, he's going to reconcile. I just know it. So let's read the next part. Ah, I know how to ensure that we'll have plenty of friends who will give me a home when I'm fired. So he invited each person who owed money to his employer to come and discuss his situation. He asked the first one, how much do you owe him? Uh, and, and how much do you, excuse me, owe him? He asked the first one, how much do you owe him? And how much do you owe my employer? He asked the next man. I think there's a misprint there. I owe him a thousand bushels of wheat, was the reply. Here, the manager said, take the bill and change it to 800 bushels. All right. And that's going to technology. Anyway, let me go back and let me read this from my notes. If you don't mind. Ah, I know how to ensure that we'll have plenty of friends who will give me a home when I'm fired. So he invited each person who owed him money to his employer to come and discuss the situation. He asked the first one, how much do you owe him? The man replied, I owe him 800 gallons of olive oil. So the manager told him, take the bill and quickly change it to 400 gallons. And how much do you owe my employer? He asked the next man, and I owe him a 1,000 bushels of wheat, was the reply. Here, said the manager, take the bill and change it to 800 bushels. Okay, so let's make a deal, right? Or maybe deal or no deal. Okay, I couldn't help it. Dare I suggest the art of the deal? Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, I know. Sorry. Anyway, first off, <laughs> it is. First off, who, the, who is the steward trying to appease, you know, with this deal? Well, you're looking at it and, and so, well, obviously he's trying to appease the people that accused him of something, you know. But, you know, he kind of, he wants to have a hold on to a hope of keeping his job. He might want to appease his boss yeah and then there's the other ones there's the other ones that are over the ones that are looking on from the side those looking about they're just kind of standing off in the wings and looking at them 
at him. He's like, well, how's he going to handle this? You know, it might be the same. We might find ourselves in a Christian walk like that. Sometimes what we're doing might be judged a little bit from the outside. So that what's his goal? Well, he wants a future. You know, he's looking for a home to be welcomed in. And um, and he wants to be accepted or tolerated. You know, he's looking for the long term solution. And uh, in order for him to uh, to do this, I think he's 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 paying some careful attention to his assets and his liabilities, the future condition um, to provide for a plan of action. So we've decided already that he's going to reconcile. I, I, I spoiler alerted that for you. So he devises a plan that will um, restore friendly relationships and cause, you know, to coexist in harmony. So how does he do this? Again, the spiritual way. He's going to reconcile using what he still has authority over. Um, he's going to um, try to make all of the parties involved happy. Now, this is where we go back into the um, uh, manager's, uh, what his position might have been and what he was doing. In this particular, the first century um, Jewish world there, you would have a rich man might have an estate, and he would have this manager who was um, judging, you're not judging over it, but he was um, uh, working over the, um, oh, what's the word I'm looking for? He's, he's, he's seeing over the estate, and um, his payment from that might be from commission. It may not be, but he's looking at what he has. If I have some commission to do this, I'm going to pass this off. I'm going to let some people have the, um, you know, I'll give back some of my commission and maybe give back a little bit of what the um, rich man had. But what I'm going to try to do is to bring everybody together in harmony that they might be happy and that might make me not look so bad, but my boss is going to look good and everybody's going to be happy. In other words, he's doing what we know today as a debt relief program. I mean, I think we've all seen these things about when people get into too much credit card debt or something like that. You have, you know, debt consolidation loans and things like that. And that's kind of a benefit for everybody because maybe the person that's in debt doesn't have to bankrupt. And maybe the person that was owed some money gets something, not anything. It's one of those things where there's not a really beautiful outcome of it, but the outcome is better than, you know, nothing at all. And, you know, so that's how we would see that. So what does that mean? We got through this section. Um, reconciling our account. Reconciling involves the advancement of all parties involved. Often reconciliation means accepting a disagreeable or unwelcome thing. And that it's wise to deal with worldly matters in a spiritual light. You know, so how does this work in real life? Ah, let's look and see because I think it's on my next page. <laughs> Okay, here's where I'm going to get super nerdy. I'm going to put one, the, the translation that we've been going through, the New Living Translation on the left, and I'm going to use Young's Living Translation because some smart man suggested that to me, and he knows who he is, um, on the side. And I want you to see the differences between the two um, of, 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 you know, how I, actually this all works. Um so the New Living Translation, we put up there, the rich man had to admire the dishonest rascal for being so shrewd. And it's true that the children of this world are more shrewd in dealing with the world around them than are the children of light. Here's the lesson. Use your worldly resources to benefit others and make friends. Then when your possessions are gone, they will welcome you into an eternal home. And on the Young's Living Translation, literal translation, excuse me. So those of you who don't know, around right before the 1800s, there was this guy that went back and said, I'm going to try to translate into English. 
everything as close to the Greek as I possibly can. So I get the root words there and I could go back to the Greek and it reads, and the Lord commended the unrighteous steward that he did prudently because the sons of this age are more prudent than the sons of light in respect to their generation. And I say to you, make to yourselves friends of the mammon of unrighteousness that when ye may fail, they may receive you to the age during tabernacles. Now, I know that's not, you know, it's all more King James's or whatever. I mean, it, it, it doesn't lend itself to us understanding it as well. But when I find myself trying to um, interpret a tough passage, I really want to go back as far as I can and see what it was that the first century Jewish listeners were hearing. As, as I can get as close to that context as I can. I feel like I'm pulling some nuances out that I wouldn't get normally. And so that's what I want to try to do here. So I'm going to go through some words here, and you guys can look at that up there. We've got admire and commend, and that's pretty straightforward. But we've got dishonest up there, and then we have unrighteous. That's a powerful one because in the Greek, adikaios, um, the unrighteous, it means unmerited. It's not necessarily so negative. Again, I've been trying to look at this passage more from a positive light if I'm doing that then instead of it being something dishonest, it's merely unmerited. And I think that's, you know, real kind of important to me, it was, anyway. And dishonest rascal, let me ask you, you guys, what were you all thinking when you heard dishonest rascal? Huh? No idea? No one say anything? There you go, people. <laughs> Wascally wabbit. Yeah, that's exactly what I thought when I read across there. I said, this doesn't sound very biblical, you know. It's like rascally rabbit. <laughs> Uh, you know, um, so anyway, I had to get that one in there. Every, everybody, everybody needs a slide of bugs, don't they? But anyway, um, you know, it does get the point across. You know, you know, Bugs isn't a bad guy. He was pretty shrewd, even though Elmer Fudd ended up with a whole lot of smoke on his face from time to time because of the carrot down the barrel. Uh, it was all in good fun. Uh, but anyway, we're going to go back to shrewd and prudent, you know, and that's sensible. That makes some sense. Now, here's one that you guys could disagree with me. Somebody of my, I kind of went differently on this one. Children of the world or sons of this age and children are sons of the light. A lot of, a lot of teachings put this in the position of uh, those who know Jesus and those who don't know Jesus. But let's look at this at the context of where it is right now. How many people at this particular point in time know Jesus that much? There wasn't a lot of people out there that they were getting to know Jesus at this time. Um, and so in light of that and the fact that we've been trying to teach the Pharisees how this new kingdom is going to look, but they're just not looking at it, I tend to look at the sons of um, of, of this world being us, the, the disciples and all of that, um, you know, are the ones, the, the Gentiles and, and that whole light. And that the sons of light in this stage of the game would be referring to the Pharisees because they were the learned. They knew what was going on. And when I do that, again, I don't really want to look at the Pharisees, how I've been tended to do most of my life. And looking bad at them, they were trying to do something that was good. And uh, I'm more prone after this teaching to really look at that. Anyway, we're going on. We go to the worldly resources, resources and unrighteous mammon. Now, I just I don't know, even though it sounds King James, that unrighteous mammon struck me. It's an Aramaic word, not Greek, but mammon is. And they're saying that it's like it means riches. But and, and then other people say that it's riches or wealth that you entrust, which I think that's kind of what it's going to. I think when we read through that, the world resources that was translated from unrighteous mammon was entrusted wealth 
You know, that wealth that which was entrusted to us, that was the wealth that the manager had to deal with. It was, you know, the rich man's stuff. And in our case, I think we know exactly what that is. We know the gifts that we've been given from God. And it goes on that when ye may fail, you know, when we fall short, um, you know, that there would be an eternal home. We've got somewhere to go when all of this is said and done. So God says through all of this, maybe. Um, wait a second. Yeah, I like that. So <laughs> God says that, you know, if you were looking at this and we read through all of that, that, hey, we did wisely. Sometimes, you know, common sense trumps book smart and that um, maybe, you know, that you can use your unmerited wealth to benefit everybody who's, um, uh, you know, period, everybody, you know, and that it's um, uh, that. Uh, when you do this, everybody will see what the new kingdom is about. You know, that we're, we're, we're kind of being, you know, we're making the boss look good here, people, uh, would be kind of how, how that goes. So I know y'all been waiting for this, wrapping up. Let's, let's, let's take this to the, I've got, yeah, I just get a little bit, but we're going to wrap it up. Um, so what does this mean? You know, that if we're going to be the, um, unrighteous stewards, or the dishonest stewards, or however it was done in any of the translations. What does that mean to us? Well, I think that this parable reminds us that we what we have, first off, it was given from God. The, you know, the resources of this world, what we eat, what we technology with, our monetary wealth, all of that. If we really are serious with ourselves and we, we reflect on what we are, we know what we have was given to us by God. But then... There's the other thing. I want to go back to a parable. It's hardly ever what a parable is about. And you know, we we're talking about the money in that. But what if it's not about the money? Then what would it be about? And I suggest that maybe it's what a God-given spiritual resources. Well, what are those, Mike? I know you guys. I know that Matt taught a little, a little um, small group on this, the fruits of the Spirit. Think about that for a second. That would be the gifts of God. What are the gifts of God? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. God has given each and every one of us in this room all of that you want. You you will not run out of it. It's there for you to take. It will be there. You can use it. And and he's suggesting that you use it. I'm going to suggest to you that the more you give of any one of them, the more you're going to get. If you don't feel love, give more love. You'll get it back. If you don't feel joy, be joyous to people because you're going to get it back. I mean, these are the things that are freely given to us by God and we should use freely. Um, you know, I'm suggesting that anyway. Um, and, you know, unrighteous, unmerited. Did we really? Did we really deserve these? Well, you got to remember when the story was told, Jesus hadn't died on the cross. The cross wasn't there at that moment in time. But for you and me and everyone in this room, there is the cross. And without it, everything that we have would be unmerited. It would be unrighteous mammon. There is only one way for us to get to that, and that is the cross. You know, we get that through adoption. Jesus died to bring us into his father's family. And when he did that, he reconciled us to his father and to all of that. So that now we do, when we deal with all of this, whether it be the money we make in the world or whether we deal with the fruits of the spirit, we are dealing with them righteously through adoption. And, um, you know, so that's great. Again, let's go. How do we manage it? You know, 
The cross, you know, again, makes us righteous bearers of this wealth. But the Bible also tells us how we should manage it. Um, in Matthew 25, there's a similar parable where a rich man is fixed to go on a trip and he gives three of his servants a bunch of money. He says, here, watch over this while I'm gone. Make it short. Two of them go out and um, invest it, make some return. One of them buries it. And um, when he comes back, he gives them back. They give him back what they earned and he gives them back what he gave him. And let me, you know, just go ahead and let you know that the end of that story is the guy that buried the money didn't get the lollipop. Um, you know, he was, uh, uh, you know, it was not about money or whatever. It's talking to us about, you know, the, uh, the uh, it's not a financial investment. This goes, it says God has given each person a wide variety of gifts and he expects us to employ those in his service. It's not acceptable to merely put these gifts on a closet shelf and ignore them. So, wow. Okay, so what do you mean by ignore them? Well, look at the Pharisees. They had the law and they were holding to it, but they weren't necessarily, um, uh, you know, extending love, joy, peace, and all the rest of this stuff uh, to the world. They were holding back. So what is it? Do we obey the letter and ignore the intent of the law? I say no. Well, we follow the rules and ignore people. No, I don't, I, I, I don't think so. I mean, if we flash back to the um, prodigal story from last week, the prodigal's father, he didn't care. He threw caution to the wind with reckless abandon. He welcomed his son back, even though his son had done pretty poorly with his management of money. And he could have, and, um, he could have been skeptical. I mean, he rightly could have been skeptical, but he didn't. He, he gave a gift that he had been given freely. Now, the brother, on the other hand, you know, he decided, no, I want, you know, and again, maybe it was right. He 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 had a little bit of, of you know, ability to think that I'm going to hold that back. I'm not, I know you're not going to be OK. But really what this parable is driving towards and what it's asking is, was it his to hoard? Does he have the right to take the you know, things as the grace of God and, and, and doil it out at his will? And again, I think the answer to that is no. Again, the Pharisees, you know, is 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 this grace and this forgiveness theirs to withhold from the people of Israel or us. And the, and the answer is no. It's just not. So let's flash back to the, um, the shrewd manager. The same was asked of him. If he were to take the money and run, yeah, it wouldn't have been very admirable. You know, we'd see the easy way out didn't really actually wouldn't have been the, the good way out. But he used that entrusted wealth, that mammon that was granted to him by his boss, and he forgave debt. And, um, you know, there we have a prime example of freely giving what's been given to us, whether or not deservedly or not. And uh, this parable is asking us to give that forgiveness, to extend that forgiveness, to give all that joy and love and all of that. Use it. Use it freely. You know, this parable is calling for the reconciliation of both worlds, both the spiritual world and the world that we live in. We need to do it in a spiritual light. Um, and I'm going to quote something we were talking about from behind the soundboard. And I want to give credit to Bob behind the soundboard for this one because it was wonderful and I love it. God's kingdom is not black and white. It's grace. And it is. I mean, that is just like, whew, I love that saying. You know, so here, let me see. I think I got some. There we go. All right. I didn't use my bug. So. So what does all this mean, guys? Well, we need to kind of remember that Jesus came here not to replace the law, 
but to complete it. And I think this parable gives a good example of how that works. That the reconciliation of the law with grace. And, you know, it's been something that was hard for me to understand a lot of times when I was going through some of these studies. But I get it. I think that this really, really, really does that. And I'm being in the worship team and playing. I'm going to use the song he loves us and say, when heaven meets earth. Yeah, I know. And it follows up with like a sloppy wet kiss. And we always tried to find a way to get around that because it didn't sound right. But you know what? Sometimes spirituality can be messy. You know, it's it, it's. Sometimes this is going to be a bit different than we think. And that's all right. If we use the gifts that God has given us and, and ask us to do the fruits of the spirit and find out that it's, um, you know, pretty good. So let's understand where our startup capital comes from. Let's understand how wealthy each and every one of us are. We've got it. We've got it all. I'm telling you, we do. And let's live shrewdly capitalizing on the gifts that God's given us to manage. You know, and let's understand that God wants all of the children of this world to be welcomed into his kingdom. So, you know, share your mammon. Share it freely. Do it. Get everybody to come back in. Oh, let's see. And I think there we go. Um, so how about we commit to a shrewd and wise use of God's riches, you know, the grace that God has entrusted to us and Finish this off with the words that you guys all know. Right on? All right. Well, if you stand with me, we'll pray. God, we just want to thank you for the wealth that you have given us, that that each and every one of us possess, even if we know about it or not. And we, we beg you to help us to use it wisely in this life, that we might spread this kingdom to those that don't know about you and know the joy of being in your presence, that that the wise use of, of, of the abundance that we have been given might be used that we show grace, that we can help those maybe marginalized on the side or not understanding you to see us, to see the grand plan, to know that we want to, we want you all to be in this Pharisee or, or not. We want you all to be in this kingdom. We pray this in Jesus' holy name. Amen. All right. Let's see. I go too fast for you? I did. See? That's what happens when you're nervous. You get through with the prayer too fast before the band's ready to go. Right on. All right. Well, let's see. If we can get the blessing up there, would that be me or you guys in the back there? Oh, it was both of us and we did it wrong. Sorry about that. Okay, let's read this blessing together if you don't mind. Oh, may the peace of the Lord's goodness, may you see the peace of the Lord's goodness in the land of the living. May the Lord hold you steady and still in Jesus Christ. Hold firm, take heart in his love. There is hope for you. Go in peace, you children of God. If you need prayer, there'll be somebody up here to see you and 